Hello, and welcome to Setting the Standard, the podcast about wireless radio standards creation from the Wireless Innovation Forum. I'm your host and communications director of the forum, Stephanie Hamill. Today, we have a special episode outlining day one of the forum's virtual summit, WinCom 2021, featuring keynotes by Scott Patrick of the NTIA, Ira Kelts of the FCC, and Colonel Andrew P. Martin of the U.S. Air Force. In addition to these keynotes, we have sessions on software-defined systems, the three gigahertz band, and methods of sharing. Uh, today I'm here with Ken Dingman of L3Harris and co-chair of the forum's Software Defined Systems Committee. Hi, Ken. Hi, Stephanie. And today we're going to be talking about your SDS sessions as part of WinCom. Um, the first one, I have it up here, is going to be on Tuesday, the 30th November at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, nice and early. Um, so can you give us a quick overview of this session and what we can expect in it? Sure. So this is a... Um a session in which we're going to hear from a number of different speakers talking about the different programs and activities that they have going on within their organizations within the US or within their um, countries or across an industry organization in Europe. And starting with what's going on in the US, um, we're going to be hearing from Jim Evangelos from JTNC. He'll be providing us with an update on activities that are happening within JTNC and um, their collaboration with the other services in terms of bringing out standards for uh, tactical radio communications. Um, also from the JTNC is going to be Juan Dow. Um, they are, he's going to specifically be talking about a new tool that they're introducing, which is the SCA 4.1 test suite. And um, that will be a rollout of that tool for most people here for the first time. So I'm hoping that you uh, can attend and listen to what Juan says about the, uh, the new test suite that's coming out. And then last from the US, we're going to have Nick Borton. Uh, Bort, Nick Borton is the uh, co-chair from the SOSA um, Sensor Open Systems Architecture um, Steering Committee, and that is a um, many service, many industry consortium of companies uh, that are working on, on um, standards for communications and sensors and EW uh, within the U.S. government. And so that will be an interesting talk, too, to hear what's going on within SOSA. Uh, moving to things in Europe, um, we'll start with ESSOR. Um, we'll be getting an update from the ESSOR program on the status, uh, the things that they have been doing recently, and their plans for the future. Um, similar for SVFUA, that's the German um, MOD Modernization Program. Um, Germany is now also part of ESSOR, so there'll be some overlap between what is happening uh, between those two organizations. And But we'll get to hear some specific things that are happening within Germany. Uh, relative to their tactical radio communications programs, and similar, similarly for the Italian MOD, um, an update on programs happening there, um, advances that they have made from tactical radios, and the latest in some of their, their programs. And so we don't have speakers announced for them yet. We'll be getting that in the near future, um, and we're hoping to have a few additional um, countries or organizations um, be able to speak during this time as well. Great. And who do you think should come to this session? And I know that it's it's so early early to um, accommodate the European schedule as well. So do you expect a lot of European attendance? Yeah, I mean, certainly we um, do hope that we can get some European attendance. Um, you know, anybody that's interested in what is happening in the tactical communications um, environment uh, across the world would be a really good audience for this. 
Um, if you talk about the JTNC and SOSA and SOR, uh, you know, these are really some of the leading um, program programs and um, you know standards bodies organizations that are that are working within the tactical communications environment right now. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of really good information about where they're taking the standards and um, the latest information on on their activities. Great. Hi, today I'm here with Mark Gibson of Comscope and Vice President and Vice Chair of the Forum. Hi, Mark. It's good to see you. Hi, Steph. It's good to see you, too. Thanks. And today we're going to talk about um, your WinCom session on the first day, which is November 30th, Tuesday. Um, it's updates on a three gig band, and it's from there. It's at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern. So can you give me an overview of this session? Yes, yeah, Steph, thanks. Um, so uh, most people know that the three gigahertz band has been the subject of lots of activity. In fact, right now, as we speak, we're in the middle of an auction um, that uh, has generated probably so far over 21 billion. I think last I looked was about $21.7 billion worth of potential uh, revenue for the, uh, for the treasury um, from 33 participants. And so um, it's 40 megahertz, I'm sorry, 100 megahertz of spectrum, 40 megahertz per licensee maximum. So there's a lot of interest in this spectrum, um, which is right below the CBRS spectrum. Um, then there's the CBRS spectrum, and then right above that is the 3.7 gig band. So, um, and this is, again, mid-band spectrum um, that is of great interest to a lot of folks for 5G. And um, so that'll be one aspect of the discussion to hear from people regarding how they, how they plan to put the spectrum to use for 5G. Um, and then what they think will be some of the, um, um, I guess, encumbrances that they expect to encounter from the standpoint of the DOD systems that are operating in the band. Um, there are several DOD systems that are operating that will be protected by uh, coordinated protection areas, CPA, or periodic use areas, PUAs, um, that have been defined by the rules. And so, so we're looking to get some insight from folks that will be um, engaged in dealing with that. And then uh, the other thing we'll talk about, although there probably won't be as much to talk about as there is in the 3400 to 3550 meg band, 3450 to 3550 portion, but there's the 3100 to 3450, which is going to be the subject of a lot of discussion shortly. There, um, as part of the, um, the infrastructure program, there are several bills that were put, uh, put forth to get that band auctioned by 2025, I believe. And so, um, and while that's still four years in the future, uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make that band available as well. Uh, and in fact, just today, the National Spectrum Consortium uh, had a meeting to talk about a program that they are launching to help study that band. Uh, it's in the very early stages. And so we're hopeful that some folks may be able to discuss that as well. So basically, uh, the, the updates will center around the entire three gig band and hopefully provide more insight to those watching as how, why that band's of interest and what's happening in that band uh, for the future. Okay. And you have a couple panelists already. And what, um, I know you're expecting more. What are you expecting from the panel? Are there any controversial issues you expect will come up? Yeah, I think that there's some issues for which there may be a, a diversity of opinion, let's put it that way. Um, we have folks that are going to be representing different users. Um, uh, for example, when the band was first considered for uh, licensing, uh, the commission was asked to consider the licensing process similar to where they did it in CBRS, uh, county-based licensing. 
Um, the commission decided not to go that way. They en ended up going with PEAs, uh, which stands for um, uh, partial economic areas. Um, and that, you know, that seemed to sort of, um, uh, I won't say disenfranchise, but pique perhaps the folks that might have been interested in the smaller market areas. So we'll have people representing some of those and also people probably representing um, interests that are, may not be traditional uh, uh, wireless carrier interests. And so uh, we're hopeful that we can mix it up a little bit with, you know, representation from folks with opinions from those different uh, corners of the, of the space to sort of give their thoughts on how they, how they see this band coming up together. And this would be for the, both the 345 gig band and the 3100 to 3450. Gotcha. Um, and then who, who do you think would get the most out of this session? Who should, who should come? I think people should come who have been looking at this band, um, considering the activity. This has been really interesting because this band came to light only last year uh, with uh, the uh, in the former administration with a program that was called AMBIT, which stood stood for America's Broadband Initiative Team, I think, which uh, that was the first that we in industry learned that the band was under under consideration, uh, seriously consideration for making available, um, and so. Uh, anybody that's been interested in the in the lower mid-band spectrum should be interested in this session just to see what the various stakeholders uh, see as some of the um, reasons they want to use it and some of the sort of the barriers to uh, to using it, or maybe not barriers, but hurdles. Sure. All right. Great. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's not that far from now, well, so uh, people should go register today. Thanks yep. so much, Mark. I'll talk All right. To you thanks, later. Steph. Okay. Bye. Bye. Today I'm talking with John Glossner, CEO of Optimum Semiconductor Technologies and President and Chair of the Wireless Innovation Forum. Hi, John. Hi, Steph. All right, so we're going to talk about your session on day one, uh, 30th November at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time on the methods of sharing. And so this session is going to overview a couple of the forum's new documents, TR 1015 and RC 1016 uh, companion documents. And can you provide a quick summary of the documents and why we have a session dedicated to them? Sure. So this actually, this project started out as a joint uh, project between the Spectrum Sharing Committee and the Advanced Technologies Committee. And in some uh, coastal areas of the U.S., uh, there's dynamic protection areas. And, and these are basically radar systems that the DOD has primary access to. And we're looking at sharing spectrum uh, as uh, alternate users in that same, spec uh, same spectrum. So what happened is that we needed to make sure that we were putting together systems and capabilities that would allow this sharing. Uh, and so there are uh, environmental sensing capability sensors, ESC sensors, that basically monitor these coastal areas. Uh, and then if an incumbent is broadcasting in those bands, that sensor sends the information to the spectrum access system, which incorporates all of that. And then that uh, can cause reallocation or uh, restriction of uh, CBRS uh, users while the incumbent is in those bands. So we did a whole lot of work on that. Uh, as, as one of the, the documents. And then the follow-on document to that was looking at, well, what happens to the bands that are right around adjacent to the CBRS bands? 
So, you know, there, there are other higher powered users. So what is the effect on the ESC, uh, the environmental sensing uh, capability sensor near those DPAs? Uh, so both of those together will be talked about, but the uh, panel is a little broader than that because that is one method of sharing, but we'll talk about some other, the whole gamut of what it means to share, what it is to have multiple different devices that can be using the same bands at different times, uh, what are incumbents, secondary users, primary users, and this kind of thing. And then we'll have a discussion uh, among the vice chair of the forum and the CTO of the forum about uh, different types of, of ways of sharing. Uh, informing incumbent is, is another uh, possibility. So rather than sensing for uh, the, the primary user being in the band, uh, an IIC can actually, you know, the, the incumbent can actually just uh, tell, probably through a database, but not necessarily, uh, tell the uh, other suppliers or users of Spectrum that they want to use the band now. So, so those have also been implemented in, in some areas as well. So we'll talk about that. Guam is one of them. Uh, and we'll look at all of the different ways that you can share in that band and discuss the pros and cons of each. Uh, and then discuss, you know, what can be done in the future to allow even more spectrum to be opened up and accessed for sharing. So that sounds like a pretty information packed session. Um, so who needs to be here for this session? Who, who can't miss it? Well, if, if you're an operator thinking about uh, CBRS, uh, certainly this would be of interest to you because you'll want to know how did we come and compute metrics on how many people would be affected in an area when an, when an ESC sensor is being used? Uh, how can you minimize the uh, impact of an ESC sensor on your users? If you're an ESC network provider, how can you design your ESC networks uh, such that they also minimize the impact on CBRS deployments? Uh, and so there's, there's a whole bunch of different uh, uh, aspects of that, everything from the operators to the network deployers uh, uh, to, to possibly even, you know, government officials who might like to, to take a look at how these systems might interoperate and what kind of, of uh, informing incumbent capabilities uh, could be developed uh, that would maximize the use of Spectrum as well. All right. Great. Thanks. I look forward to it and um, appreciate you taking part in the session. Thank you, Steph.